0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Forward Maryland. Today is Thursday, November 7th, 2019. My name is Bill Woodcock, and here's what's happening. Part of the fun, uh, part of, the fun of having a podcast and having a uh, podcast studio set up in one's very own home is that you get to deliver hot cakes. Hot takes, fresh takes on news that could be hours, minutes, or yes, even seconds old. And I believe the second, if not the third, applies to the first story tonight, which is former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, uh, also noted philanthropist, uh, especially of Johns Hopkins University, my alma mater, and uh, also the uh, head of the Bloomberg Media Empire, is eyeing a run to a 2020 Democratic presidential bid. Uh, he is apparently planning to file in the uh, Democratic primary in Alabama. And, um, you know, this is, uh, these are breaking developments that are literally coming across uh, my news sources uh, by the minute. So, uh, normally I would, I would, uh, I would have my co-host Jason Booms here for, uh, for his scholarly wisdom on this. But, uh, my first reactions are, uh, number one, why, uh, obviously, um, there's some dissatisfaction with the current field of candidates. There has been no one front runner, uh, around whom the, uh, Electorate has settled around, um, you know, that is part of the machinations of the DNC and, and creating a little bit more open process this time um, and having the uh, thresholds for the debates and having a lot of candidates participate in the debate. So I think that's a that's a good thing. Um, But it has uh, it has created a electorate that's that's a little bit divided. And uh, although I have every confidence that uh, not long after Super Tuesday, we're going to know who the nominee is going to be. You know, that is uh, that's not orderly enough for some people. And I would I would imagine that Mayor Bloomberg is uh, one of those people. Uh, Mayor Bloomberg is more of a uh, center-left person. Uh, he has been all three flavors in his political life, Republican, Independent, and Democrat, uh, currently Democrat. And, uh, and we cannot eradicate uh, the fact that he is going to very likely self-fund this campaign with uh, many, many millions, if not billions of dollars. And that can go a long way, except if people just don't like your butt. And uh, I'm not sure that that would be the case. So I think he would come across as a very uh, likable candidate. Uh, he uh, speaks extremely well. He is very well versed on the issues. Uh, he can kind cut a soundbite. Um, just as well as any of the other candidates in the current field. Uh, But the two downsides I see, one can be easily taken care of by money. The other one cannot. One is uh, the thing that can be taken care of by money is, of course, the late start. Uh, He needs to get to moving to get on the ballot post haste, especially states that require signatures to be put on the ballot. But, you know, he can, he can also pay for the organizing efforts uh, to get the signatures needed to be put on the ballot. And then the second thing is his age. Uh, Mike Bloomberg is about 77 years old, I want to say, and uh, that's going to make him 78 at least by the time Election Day rolls around. Uh, now, he does not look, uh, in my personal opinion, like a almost 78-year-old man. Um, you know, he he looks to me to be younger than Joe Biden, younger than Bernie Sanders, although he's a contemporary. But for somebody uh, looking for generational change in the Democratic Party, you're not going to find that in Michael Bloomberg. For somebody who may be looking for a more inclusive message uh, in the Democratic primary. A message that speaks to general election chops in terms of uh, putting forth policy solutions that would appeal not just to Democrats and the Democratic base, but also to independents and to even uh, and to some uh, uh, Republicans who are of the never Trump variety. Um, I think that Mike Bloomberg is your guy. And I would say that there is nobody in the Democratic field who who is filling that lane. Everybody is is thinking too much about winning the Democratic primary, that they're not they're not even talking about how to appeal to independent and Republican voters, except as a footnote. And I would even and I would even uh, include the moderate candidates in this Biden, uh, Klobuchar, Buttigieg in that. So, um, welcome to the race, Mike Bloomberg, uh, because this is at the very least a uh, huge trial balloon, and uh, I think the start of something more. So, two other issues I want to talk with talk with you about tonight, and both of those are local to the county of Howard and the great state of Maryland. Uh, so, um, my original intent um, of coming coming to you this week. Uh, The first issue of the two I wanted to talk about is uh, Howard County developer fees. I want to commend the Howard County Council on finally doing the right thing, and I urge County Executive Ball to sign the legislation that the council passed this past Monday night, which uh, increases the per square foot uh, surcharge on developers that the county assesses, uh, to $7.50 a square foot. That's an over 500% increase. Uh, and I'm sure that's being spun that way right now by the uh, local development community. And I would imagine that some of them are lobbying the county executive to try to get him to, um, to uh, veto the legislation. But I see no toe coming on this. I see uh, the county executive signature and I see this becoming law. Uh, I believe the estimate is that this is going to put over two hundred million dollars in the county's coffers, and at a time where the county uh, is uh, facing issues in terms of how to raise revenue to pay for schools and uh, many other needed uh, public uh, amenities and and uh, services. Um, you know, this this is a welcome infusion of money. So um you know the bill was passed as amendment as amended um uh, i have to admit i'm a little bit disappointed about some of the amendments but um ultimately the bill was passed with a 5-0 vote and so if the amendments were needed to get to the uh, 5-0 vote then i'm willing to give them a try let's see how they work uh let's hope that certain members of the development community don't uh Don't uh, find loopholes therein in which you're going to start driving big old dump trucks through. So, uh, yay to the Howard County Council. I especially want to commend, well, I want to commend all five of them. Uh, Council Member Liz Walsh from District 1, uh, Council Member Opal Jones from District 2, Council Chair Christiana Mercer-Rigby, who was a prior guest on this show, uh, from District 3, uh, Council Member Deb Young of District 4, and Council Member David Youngman of District 5 for uh, doing the right thing. And uh, County Executive Ball, uh, up to you now to, to bring it home. So uh, very good there. We're very happy. Um, where, where? well, I am personally happy about this second and and the final issue I'm going to bring to the tonight's uh, exhibition of podcast excellence, Um, this Howard County public school redistricting thing has now taken, uh, you know, has has turned yet again. Uh, Two weeks from now, there is going to be a new redistricting plan that is going to be, uh, it's going to have been approved by the Howard County Board of Education. That is a thing that has to happen. This is going to happen in two weeks. However, uh, the Board of Education has decided to um, take the tactic of, of making its own adjustments and making its own tweaks to the plan. Um, there are some who say that they are going to start over, that they're throwing out the superintendent's original, uh, original uh, plan. Um, I mean, that's not exactly my take. I mean, the superintendent's plan is out there; it was already put forth. Uh, one cannot just erase the fact that it never existed. So that certainly is going to be um, is cert- that's certainly going to be a consideration. Uh, that's certainly going to be on the table. Uh, but you know, this is exactly what I said would happen. Uh, For folks who said the superintendent's plan or nothing, we knew that there were going to be uh, revisions made to the plan and that some of those are going to be based upon community discussions. Some of those are going to be based on uh, the preferences of individual board members. And I was reading the minutes from today's work session Uh, regarding the uh, boundary line adjustments, you know, i.e. school redistricting. And it's very clear that the board members are active and engaged in, and informed in, you know, their opinions in terms of what polygons to move where. So uh, we knew this was going to happen. Uh, I frankly commend the Board of Education for owning this for not making this a binary decision. Um, You know, I'm sure it is not gonna be a perfect product. There is absolutely no perfect product that is going to be possible from this exercise. But I do commend them for taking ownership and responsibility and not kicking the can or taking the, you know, down the road, you know, finding, you know, requiring state legislation to uh, mandate, uh, school redistricting, um, or a binary choice of one plan or another, uh, the superintendent's plan or another, or an alternative proposed by a board member or another, or an alternative proposed by some other board member or another. Uh, what they're actually doing is, is um, wow, a crazy thing called democracy, because the members, the members of this community, elected these people to office, and uh, you know there's an election next year, and uh, some of these folks are, you know, these folks are going to be standing for election in only a few months, so they're willing to put their seats, they're willing to put their positions on the line, in order to uh, produce the best product in terms of a new uh, district map for Howard County that they can. Uh, that's a thing that they should be commended for, not uh, pilloried for. Uh, as as I, I have seen some people have because um, some you know board members have chosen to uh, withdraw from online conversation regarding redistricting. And I think that is entirely appropriate. That is entirely their prerogative whether it was so, it's something I would do or not do. If I were a Howard County School Board member, I don't know, but the fact is I'm not one. and I think they have a right to do so. And what I hear as the reasons why are because, um, wow, here's an amazing concept. People who have access to online resources like Facebook, Howard County Redistricting groups, Pro or Con, uh, have a bias. They also have a privilege, and they also have an advantage uh, because of their access to, um, to information, their access to decision makers, uh, their access to sympathetic or antipathic uh, antipathic is that the right word opposite of sympathetic uh, communities. So I, I, I agree with this. Again, um, to me, this looks like democracy. To me, this looks like openness. To me, this looks like, you know, wanting to do the best thing that can be done. So, you know, it's it's a shame because, you know, I, I, I really hope it doesn't come to this, but I really hope that none of these board members uh, pays for being uh proactive about this uh, redistricting map uh, with their positions. That would uh, be a sad day uh, in Howard County were that to come to pass. And in terms of things that have come to pass, um, this this fine podcast has come to pass. So I would like to thank you uh, for your time and energy this evening and listening to me. Uh, we are going to try to put out another edition uh, early on Saturday morning. And uh, there's a hot rumor of uh, another edition on, uh, on uh, Monday evening this week. So uh, you have been warned and you have been listening to Forward Maryland. My name is Bill Woodcock. Have a great day, everybody. Take care.